Hi everyone, Ben Eisner here. Welcome to another episode of Knitted Heart, where I talk with endlessly curious masters of their craft about their passions, professions, and their shared hope to bring unity, reconciliation, and a reframing of public discourse through their work. My guests today are twins Rachel and Paul Swinton, dual guitarists for the Scottish band Cloth. In the autumn of 2019, Cloth released their truly captivating self-titled debut album through the artist-centric label Last Night from Glasgow, and I'm so excited to spread the word about their story and their music. Welcome to the show, you two. Why don't you introduce yourselves? Uh, I'm Rachel. I play guitar and I sing in Cloth. Um, and my name is Paul. Um, we're twins, Rachel and my twin sister. I um, I play guitar and together we write all the songs and with a third member of the band, Claire Gallagher, um, who's our great drummer, um, that completes the outfit. So there's three of us. <sighs> I love it. Um, okay, so first off, I have to say, uh, your first minister, Nicola Sturgeon. Yeah. yeah. Man, I have a ton of respect for just even the way she's handling the coronavirus uh, response in Scotland. And yeah, she's really great. We, uh, yeah, it's not a loss in us that we're pretty lucky, actually. Like we were talking about it the other day, weren't we? We were saying that we're, especially during this time of crisis. I mean, she's she's normally sort of great and well-respected, Nicola Sturgeon, but like she's really stepped up to the plate this time and she's kind of handling mm-hmm. it with finesse and like a, a dedication that I think the nation's really responding to. Um, so you kind of feel that like you're in safe hands, which is invaluable when it's something like this is going on. Yeah, truly important. <laughs> All right, so I'd like to just start quick about your unique sound and musical arrangements. Um, so you're a three-piece band. The two of you are playing dueling guitars. And then you've got Claire Gallagher on the drums, um, and she's triggering bass tones on a on a sample pad is is that right no you got it right that's, that's exactly what it is she's just she's got a rolling sample pad next to her kit um and she's doing a kind of dual drumming and and triggering samples at the same time and um, so she's got a lot on her hands it's really beautiful and i just want to commend you on a mighty work you've you've created in, in your self-titled album so you should be proud of it Thanks, Ben. That's really cool. Cheers. Yeah, 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 for sure. So actually, um, I'd like to play a segment from one of your songs on the record just to give everyone some context for where we're going. So yeah, let's have a listen. The song is called Trip.
good. Cheers. Okay. So your musical journey all began with a Christmas gift at, as children. Is that right? Yeah, it's like a four track. Is it four? No, eight track. No, four track. Four track. And yeah. um, four track boss. Micro BR. Yeah, that's it. Micro BR. So you can record onto like four channels. And the way I did was I'd usually just record four, bounce them back down to one, and then it repeats and repeats. So I kind of had a limitless amount of channels to layer up different instruments and voices. And so that was quite a fun, creative gift that sparked a lot of weird collaborations between me and Paul. And, yeah. I would just along the way kind of copy Rachel, what she was doing. Like she, she sort of displayed the aptitude, I think, for music super early and at the age of nine you picked up a guitar and then a year later I picked up the guitar so I was just kind of following her leads and then realized that we could write songs together you know which was really cool. How did that get sparked? I think our dad um he always kept this little strat this squire strat and so I think he encouraged us to pick it up and he, he was also quite good at the keyboard um, and against that you had her mum who's like just the biggest music fan in the world and it's just like would play us music from like literally before we were born when we were like when she was pregnant with us she she tells us all the records she played us like Steely Dan and Peter Gabriel and all this stuff like and um so I think like from a super young age we were getting exposed to great music and it was quite probably quite an organic transition from picking up an instrument, getting a degree of competency on it, and then moving into making stuff of our own, I would say. Well, that's super cool. Okay, so you both went to Stowe College in Glasgow, where you met Claire, your drummer, and I think the school was semi-famous for a student-run record company called Electric Honey. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, some say it's the most successful student-run label in the world, and they've turned out bands like Snow Patrol and Bell and Sebastian and, and lots of others. So yeah. did, did that draw you or was that just something that just was coincidental that all that cool stuff was going on when you went there? It only kind of hit my radar as we were going there. Yeah, I think people look, look on Electric Honey as this like super cool grassroots label that got some big hairs and <laughs> I think it's, like a, it's, a, it's a really cool story actually. Yeah. I think I had auditioned for an Edinburgh music school as well. And I got in, um, but I decided to go to Glasgow with Paul. Um, and it was there that we met Claire. Um, I guess it only into the second term maybe that we met Claire. It took us a while to to like, to like beat her. I don't know why, because it was quite a small class. But I think it, made, it was probably because we were thrown together into this like Friday performance class. And we had to choose like an outfit to perform these songs every Friday. So... Claire became this like standout drummer that we were like, oh, we need to get Claire. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a lot of similar kind of musical uh, tastes and influences and we just kind of hit it off. Um, <laughs> okay, so like in a nutshell, I just, I think what I'm really taken with is Last Night from Glasgow is like this label that is nonprofit and it's built around maximizing the profit and empowerment and success of an, a performer and a recording artist. I hope that this starts a revolution for how the rest of the music industry works. Well, first of all, I would say that a person who 
is kind of responsible for spearheading the label is Ian Smith, um, who, who's, yeah, whose love for music is boundless and whose capacity for novel ideas in which to promote his artist's music is only equal to that. Like the guy's just, he comes up with ideas all the time. So yeah, I think like it couldn't be a better fit as far as we're concerned. Um, and I just hope that they, they and expect, I guess, them to, to keep growing in the way that they have been doing because it's, it's only getting bigger. And you say you want it to start revolutions. Like, I think that that would be so good. I think the message that they try and promote is, is such a healthy one and one that um, a lot of artists could benefit from, from taking on board the fact that their work means something and, and is valuable. And, and in, a, in a climate where people will pay like three times the amount of a, a song on iTunes for a cup of coffee, um, the, 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 the value of people's work really does get diluted. Um, but I think what they're doing is they're, they're strengthening the idea that, that that making a record or putting out a single, like there's so much work that goes into that. And if you want to enjoy it, then you should, the, the creator of such work should be treated fairly. And that's all it is. It's just, it's just about being treated fairly. It's not about anything other than that. Um, yeah. Yeah. They're great folks. Cool. So yeah, you got the offer of a lifetime to do a run of shows with Scottish legends R.M. Hubbard and, and Aidan Moffat, who I freaking love, but also that's another story. Yeah, so talk about how that kind of ruined you for what a tour should look like and, and how special it really was for you as a band to be a part of. R.M. Hubbard, just, just to follow up your question, like um, for people that don't know, is just this astoundingly good guitarist that is kind of self-taught in the flamenco kind of tradition but brings it into um really kind of sort of disparate types of music as well he's just this like amazing guitarist um and there's some sort of cosmic interplay between his guitar playing and and aiden moffat's rich voice that is just absolutely gorgeous um and yeah it was it was quite emotional by the last night because you'd sort of seen their set three times and knew that nobody and including yourself is ever going to get to see this again because yeah. uh, it, it seems like you have seriously called it quits on this project <laughs> such a bummer um, yeah mm-hmm. but like so so good for us in so many ways because probably the fir- the first it was the first taste of ours of kind of shows on a grander scale uh, and we were taking such good care of um, and the, there was just a kind of efficiency and um and a dedication among the the people who are running the shows that that um that was just like it was kind of novel no, for us yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and just brilliant to be a part of and um, so overall it was just this this great experience that we still look back on fondly um aiden moffat's record um where you're meant to be um, yeah that song the parting song like yeah, yeah. you know what i'm talking about yeah. that song yeah. like is brings me to tears it's just so powerful because it's just you, you just feel his humanity and just kind of this joined kind of like drinking from the same cup and all that i'm just like butchering the lyrics but there's just something really powerful about that i mean 
is that kind of a great encapsulation of just who Aiden Moffat is? Uh, I mean, because I, I really was touched by that. Yeah, like, I think that man is responsible for a lot of tears. I think he writes like enormously powerful music. And then even like the Arab Strat stuff, the stuff with R.M. Hubbard, like, I would say, um, weirdly, even though they've got like two like really like acclaimed records, it was a Christmas record that they put out together that is my absolute favorite. Hmm. Um, What's the name of it? It's called Ghost Stories for Christmas. It's beautiful. Um, it is. It's. I think it for me. It features some of um, Hubby's best guitar work. I would say, like, um, and just there's a few covers on it. Like, there's a cover of a Yazoo song. There's a cover of an Elvis Presley track. Like, it's just amazing hearing Aiden sing that because he's he's just got this sort of incomparably rich low voice. That's <laughs> super spotted. Yeah. Because uh, I, I remember our uncle was in the audience at the Edinburgh day of the tour. And he hadn't actually heard them before. And he was like, oh, this guy's got some voice, some voice. He's just, he just blown away. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's wonderful. Um, so Cloth uh, began getting a lot of attention from pretty prominent BBC radio personalities and uh, TV hosts. And the biggest uh, came from Vic Galloway of BBC Music Introducing. Yeah. Talk about that. So... We, we went on and it was really, it was really fun actually. It was, we were really lucky as well that it was filmed um, because a lot of the, the artists that, that play Vic Sessions, I don't, it's not necessarily a given that they're filmed. Mm. So whatever, for whatever, whatever reason, it worked out quite well. Um, and we've got the footage of it and that's still up there and most people are still reacting to it and, and telling us how much they like that session. So um, that was our first experience of live radio. Um, and quite shortly after that, I think it was like January um, in 2019 that we were um, asked by Tom Robinson to play a six music show. Um, so that was like our second radio um, experience and just quite amazing actually, traveling down to London uh, on a Saturday. <laughs> and then trying to work out why my amp is like making horrible squealing noises 10, to 10 minutes before we go live. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, um. So that that sounds like your your trip uh, to record these sessions was there just kind of this moment as an artist thinking, oh my gosh, my ship has come in. I mean, is it, you know what I mean? Is it like, oh my gosh, my dreams are coming true, or were you just like, you know, just handling it? Like, no, this is just a stepping stone. Like, what was going through your minds? Oh, it very much felt like a big thing, like. We, I think I remember we talked about how, like, being on radio seemed like the greatest, uh-huh. like the kind of achievement. Ach- uh-huh, yeah. Possible. Like, I, yeah, like when we used to play in our old college band, like I used to properly, like, I would envisage and fantasize about like getting played by Vic Galloway because he's just this like, um, kind of really listened to voice in Scottish music and. And I thought if I was ever played by, if my music was ever played by Vic Galloway, it would be just be the pinnacle. And, uh, and it, super, it certainly felt that way. Like when, when we got played, because I think we played our stuff before we actually went in and did the session. Um, but when we got the call for the session, absolutely, it was like a ship coming in moment, um, yeah. which was like, uh, yeah, it was amazing. Um, I still think about that. 
um, I think like it's, it's like a really happy memory and we've been lucky to kind of like forge a relationship with Vic and, and his producer Lindsay like since that um, mm. and they've like been they're just kind of consistently supportive of us and LNFG as well. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, it's great. I, I do want to do a shout out to all uh, um, audience members. Please look up the the BBC um, music introducing sessions with Vic Galloway um, and just look up cloth or whatever. Just Google all of that. And um, the sessions are just really captivating to watch because um, it's your music's really powerful sonically. Um, but then to see it, you know, visually, too, it just takes it to the next level. So it's really, really powerful stuff. So in your manager and owner of your record company mm-hmm. i asked him for your lyrics and he's like oh yeah um i don't have any record of your lyrics and um i don't think they do anymore either um is there a, a story behind that i guess like we've just never actually written them down uh, there is we did make a conscious decision to not put them in the album uh, just because as as Something that I have always liked was like kind of, kind of discovering lyrics by by myself, and I kind of wanted people to give people the opportunity to do that with this record. Like, mm. uh, I know that when I watch like lyric videos and things like that, like just for me, they kind of like detract from my enjoyment. I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm just mm. focusing on them too much. But when I hear something and, and it's not written on the page and it, it, it seems more impactful to me so it's like I don't know maybe it was selfish but I was like if we're calling the shots then I'm gonna I'm gonna put that out there and like let people sort of figure them out by myself <laughs> and like also like like with when we were doing the first ever kind of cloth stuff like I was we were both listening to like lots of My Bloody Valentine and, and you Cocteau can twins. and Cocteau Twins and you can like barely hear their lyrics yeah. and and like my bloody valentine they ever published their lyrics i think there was even maybe a competition at one point for people to work out what they were actually saying which i love um and i know that like you can come to all sorts of crazy conclusions on what lyrics are when they're kind of partially obscured like that but i just thought that was something really cool to kind of tap into ourselves as well well i i actually think it's it really plays nicely into even what the body of work is in, in the record itself. And I mean, it's kind of allow your listeners to draw their own conclusions. Yeah. <laughs> An overarching theme that I just pulled out of this entire record is rebirth, new beginnings, emergence, germination. There's this crazy, like just climate globally. Mm-hmm. And then when I hear a recording, like what you put together is like, ah, oh, this is like healing salve. Like these are seeds of hope. This is just a really healing therapeutic record that just reminds me that the, the whole universe just flows through all of our, our veins together and maybe respond to that in terms of what you have recorded in this record. And, and it just kind of being sprinkling these seeds of hope in a, in a year like 2020. Well, first of all, it's really cool to hear that you've had that response to the record. I think that when when we were kind of writing the lyrics for the album, the, the decision was made quite early on with Cloth that um, 
where where earlier we we sort of treated lyrics as kind of matter to fill bulk out a song uh, and vocal melodies were king um we didn't want that approach at all we wanted to i mean rachel's rachel studied scottish literature at uni and studied great scottish poetry um and i sort of was exposed to a lot of that through her as well um and I mean, I'm not, I'm not comparing myself at all to, to that kind of level of work at all, but it did instill this kind of desire to, to write something that people could relate to. Um, and that um, I like to look at, to, at people in my life and try and reflect um, the qualities that I really kind of love about them through, through our lyrics. Um, so there's loads of stuff on the album and Curiosity Door is a song all about friendship. It's like, it's been said that it's quite a, a sad song, Curiosity Door, but I don't know. I, I, I see it as kind of a celebration of, of friendships that I've had in the past that even though they're not really there in, 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 in the way that they were before, um, it's still a, a kind of treasure to have had them in the first place. So, um, I, I really like that you kind of picked up a hopeful message because I think that it is something that that does underpin a lot of the the, the the lyrics that I come up with and that Rachel comes up with. I would say. Well, let's just uh, play another little bit of a of a song. Um, here's a portion of the song "Curiosity Door" by the band Cloth. Does Cloth get up every day and do their work with a capital W? Um, I think, like, going back to when Rachel got her four-track, and I heard her talk about it a lot of times, is it's just the, the whole idea of making something new that wasn't there before. Um, it's enormously satisfying. And the more you explore it uh, and the more you promote it, the more you realize that 
it can have a real positive impact on other people as well. Like just from in the spectrum of somebody saying, I really like your song to like yourself, Ben, who's had like a, so by the sounds of it, like a really profound reaction to the record, which is just really gratifying for us to hear. And it just kind of like reaffirms this, this feeling that we have that we're doing the right thing by, mm -hmm. by making music and by exploring what, what we can do musically. I mean, we've, we had a, a kind of a clear cut idea of how we wanted this record to sound and what we wanted to see. Um, and we're beginning to form that now with regards to the second record um, and what we what we kind of want to do is with the follow-up. Um, and it'll just be really cool for us to see how that kind of plays out when it eventually when it eventually gets released. It's a great way to live your life, whatever capacity you're doing. If you're, as you say, making music videos, you're writing music, or you're kind of an, an activist. Like if you're if you're doing things that that kind of like make a difference in their own way, then I think that there's nothing really more valuable than that at the end of the day for yourself and and for others. Well, Fraser McIntyre of the Skinny said that Cloth's highly anticipated self-titled debut is an emotive, beautifully textured offering that rewards close scrutiny. And honestly, I literally could not agree more. Um, so, yeah. Um, do you plan after everything normalizes uh, to come to the States and possibly play in Los Angeles? Oh my God, yeah. That'd be so cool. I'd love to. I would really like to think that like we'll just work our socks off and we'll get there somehow. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, uh, in not the not so distant future. And when we do, we'll give you a call. <laughs> Beautiful. Hashtag Jimmy Kimmel. Hashtag Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> hashtag whoever else, Conan O'Brien. Whoever is going to have cloth on their show, they're going to be trendsetters. I'm telling you right now. Oh, amazing. Seriously, thanks again, and um, congratulations on, on your record, your self-titled album called Cloth, and um, please, everybody, listen to it, download it, purchase it. It'll be well worth it. Thanks, Ben. Thanks cheers. cheers. Yep, cheers. Thanks for listening today, everyone. For more information about Cloth, visit lastnightfromglasgow.com. Last Night From Glasgow. G-L-A-S-G-O-W. And follow them on Facebook at Cloth Band. Join me in our next episode where I speak with critically acclaimed and award-winning film and TV director Joan Darling and how she's earned mad respect in the world of film and television as a trailblazer and an advocate for gender equality, diversity, and celebrating ourselves for who we truly are at our core. Also, you can visit my website, knittedheart.com, to hear previous episodes, investigate further resources, and hear more about my ongoing work as a filmmaker. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and share with your friends. This is the best way to spread the good word, which allows me to constantly broaden my reach with future episodes. Peace to you until then, and bye-bye for now.